First and Now is the official BC Lions podcast. Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski inside the Go Goat Sports Studios, the Wall Center downtown. Great to be back here. It's been since before camp, Nick. Nice right? and comfy. Yeah, I believe the date was April 25th. So it's been way too long since we've been back here, but it feels feels nice. That's right. That was my birthday, I think. Yeah, I remember yeah. being in here on my birthday. It's been that Bought long. Bought you a beer yeah. upstairs after, yeah. That's right. Good That's times. right. Very. How could I forget? Um, it is great to be back here as uh, we are recording this on a Thursday, just kind of in a time warp this week, just the one practice so far. Of course, had the Monday night game in Toronto, but uh, we're going to look ahead here to the Alouettes, but um, no matter where we stand on the editorial side, uh, our affiliation to the club, we have to talk about Toronto. Uh, BC Lions dropping their first game of the season, 45-24, but I think overall uh, we've had a long flight home. Um, we've digested it. We've, like I said, been out at practice, but we're going to go the way of Aaron Rodgers here, okay? And hear me out. R-E-L-A-X. Everybody, relax. They will move forward from this. Um, the season's not going down the drain just yet. But um, now, Grant, you know, Vernon Adams Jr. specifically talking about the interceptions. He owned it. He knows he has to be better. But I think a lot of people um, will be pleasantly surprised uh, just how this offense may regroup here on Sunday. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's all about regrouping on Sunday. And this group is probably more fired up than ever to do that based yeah. on how Toronto went. But we talked about this last week. Toronto's a damn good team. They're the defending Great Cup champions. I mean... That is the most balanced team that we've faced. Yeah, find a weakness. Like, Point at a weakness I mean, in Toronto. You can't. Physical running game. Chad Kelly, I'm not going to anoint him yet, but he's been good enough. He's been very He's good. been played yeah. good enough very to win. Uh, they're ferocious on the defensive line, as we saw... Uh, very opportunistic secondary. Robertson, Daniel, uh, the three interceptions, one returned uh, for a touchdown. So um, that's a that's a good football team. Yeah, and we saw we saw this right in the Great Cup too, where passes over the middle are getting intercepted by defenders dropping in and out. Enoch Mwamba's pretty much yeah. game clinching interception last year is what I'm talking about. And who was that quarterback then? It, it happens to everybody. Is my point I'm getting at? Yeah, and uh, VA talked about this last week and the questions he was getting. Um, he, he was asked something along the lines of what has made Toronto's defense so good. And he says, they've got the Calgary staff, uh, local guy, Coquitlam, Corey Mace running their defense now uh, for as much accolades as Ryan Phillips was getting. And he's still getting them rightfully. So yep. Corey Mace is a name you're hearing talked about more now as as a possible future head coach in this league. But uh, yeah, they are good. Now, six interceptions. You never want to see yep. that. Was he forcing a couple of throws? Maybe, but he's called big play VA for a reason. And this offense has thrived on the big play. Case in point, Vernon Adams Jr. is your CFL passing leader still. That doesn't get nullified because of a few bad throws. Touchdown leader. Touchdown leader. Lions lead the league in net offense. 392 yards per game. Um, had almost had over 400 in net offense. Now we're spewing out numbers that might not be entertaining to some people. Again, it might sound like we're, you know, letting people off the hook, but we don't care. We're just saying what we're saying. BC Lions boast the CFL's reception leader, touchdown reception leader, rhymes with the touchdowns. Alex Hollins with the catches. So, um, yeah, that was not a pleasant game to be a part of, but, um, 
you know, it, it, it kind of goes both ways. You, you kind of have to, there's been more good than bad since the acquisition of Vernon Adams Jr. And, and we've been better off for it. 100%. And I'm not going to throw out names here, but you saw comments about it. That was window dressing in those first three games. Well, yeah. last season, Vernon Adams threw 180 passes with the BC Lions and threw one single interception. So what, what did that matter for in, in those eight games that he played for the BC Lions? Yeah, that was in Edmonton, correct? And yeah. that, that was a game they won by 17 points, I think, right? Yeah, so. Vernon Adams has been electric. Yeah. He's, might I remind you, too, Vernon Adams is on pace for 6,000 total yards this season. Mm-hmm. Think about the quarterbacks who have done that in the history of the CFL. It's a very, very small list. So maybe, I was even thinking this, maybe the standard has been set so high, and that's not a bad thing either. You want, this, this group oh, yeah. is striving for excellence, and... At the same time, it's not, it's not harsh to say Vernon can definitely attest to this too, that you need to make better decisions in those situations, and everyone will tell you that too. I, I bet like the blame's not totally on Vernon either. The offensive line will tell you they could have performed better. Receivers will tell you they could have helped Vernon out more. So it's a you lose as a team, you win as a team, and I, I think we're ready to move on. It was hats off to Toronto. We hope to see them again. But, yeah, yeah, well, we're not scheduled to right now, uh, in, but there's a long way to go before November. And it's funny, again, I mean, as excited as everyone was, including us on this podcast a week ago over how it went in Winnipeg, at the same time, we were cautious. And, and that's, this starts with Rick Campbell yep. off the top, and he says, there's no statement here. Uh, just came here to win a football game. That's what we did. Winnipeg's a team they will see two more times at least. Mm-hmm. Have to go back there the first week of August. They'll be here for the Gravy Bowl, I believe it is, in October. So, again, now we're going to focus this podcast as well as rehashing Toronto with a very tough Montreal team. You know, just a week ago, that Alouettes team was being talked about as maybe the surprise in the CFL. And, you know, if not for a couple of bad turnovers against the Blue Bombers, uh, maybe that game's a little bit closer game was played in some pretty awful conditions, yeah. uh, wet conditions in, in Montreal. But, um, yeah, like, we're um, we're not changing our focus. Uh, we expect Winnipeg to be um, the toughest competition for a first-place spot in the West. Nothing changed when uh, the Lions went in there. That's still a very good football team. Yep. We know Toronto is a very good football team. Uh, I think the Argos and Alouettes will meet next week. So a couple tough ones uh, for Montreal coming to BC Place. But um, you know what? Hey, in the long run, uh, it could be a good thing. Um, you know, we saw, had a similar situation last year, Game 4, getting it handed to us uh, by the Blue Bombers. And, and in the long run, I think that was a good thing. The Lions ended up rattling off five or six straight wins after that before Nathan Rourke went down with the injury, right? Didn't lose again until going into Montreal. Uh, with Antonio Pipkin and a fairly fresh Vernon Adams Jr. But, hey, it's pro football. It's a long season. Uh, The Grey Cup is a tough prize to obtain, and uh, the Lions were reminded of that uh, looking at the team that just won it a few months ago, that there's a certain level you have to play at. Yeah, and ready to move on. Got some Sunday afternoon football. First time in a while, right? Can you recall the last Sunday game at BC Plays? I can. Um, It was... We might have to look this up uh, before or after we talk to Joey Alfieri of the Montreal Alouettes content team. Does a great job, by the way. He's our guest in just a couple minutes. Can't wait. There was a Sunday game here, and I to the for the life of me, I, I still don't understand how this happened. Uh, I was not yet with the team full-time. I was the club's PA announcer, and I was working for TSN Radio. So 
It was a September in 2015 against Rick Campbell's Ottawa Red Blacks. It was week one of the NFL season. I vaguely remember that. Was Siobhan Walker the Red Blacks running back? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember that game. Uh, Ottawa won the game. Um, I have a computer right in front of me. It was a it was a poorly attended game at BC Place for for a lot of these. That was um that was not a great year for the Lions for one. Uh, that was the seven and eleven year under Jeff Tedford. But I yeah that since I've been here full time there has not been one. I'm looking so, forward to it. I'm looking yeah I, I as well Get like the family. Out. I like this schedule format before the NFL starts. I like it Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday. Um, don't have to watch double headers. Don't have to, if you're the back end of a double header at home, like we are here a lot, you don't have to potentially be delayed if the other game's going long and you're just standing there on the sidelines uh, waiting for the game to start. So, but that was it, I believe, uh, September 2015. September, you're right. September 13th. That's got to get a box score here. And you know what I, re- <laughs> you know what I remember? Yeah, good luck finding any stats for CFL, but that's, we won't harp on that. Um, <laughs> You know what I remember? So the PA booth where you hear Brooke Ward and Don Andrews do their thing, where I used to do my thing with Don Andrews, is right next to the visiting coaches booth. Okay. So oftentimes you hear the visiting coaches yelling and going crazy. Mark Nelson, who we know well, kind of has Best that coach, l- yeah. kind of has that loud gravelly voice. Yeah. He w- <laughs> he was yelling uh, all game long into his headset. And Don and I are kind of looking at each other. Like, <laughs> um, we love Nelly, a great football man. It was great to spend some time with him in, in Kamloops last year when he was guest coaching. But, yeah, I remember that day for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we're back in Sunday. Looking forward to this one. It's a good Montreal team, too. We were ta- kind of talking earlier in these past couple of weeks up there. They're an underrated squad. They're 2-1. and one. Yep. Um, looking to bounce back. Uh, looked very impressive in their two wins uh, in Hamilton and and home to Ottawa to start the year. So uh, this, and we're going to talk about this with Joey. Um, they do have some playmakers on both sides of the ball. Very quickly before we get to him. I got the box score too. Okay, what Hen- do you got? Henry Barris was 31-18. Henry Barris was Ottawa's uh, quarterback. Bradson Opley threw a pass. Yeah. Was that a Travis Lule game for us? Uh, Beck. John Beck. John, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Keenan LaFrance had some rushes for the Ottawa Red Blacks. See, it's like, funny thinking about these names. That's how much I've blocked that season out of my mind. Well, um, one funny fact, too, is for the, the intro video this week, we have to put in some game-themed highlights, right? Yeah. So I'm looking for some Montreal highlights. So I'm going to the 2019 Montreal Alouettes-BC Lions game played here. And in the first quarter, guess who's picking off Mike Riley? Defensive line coach John Bowman. And wow, we, yeah. yeah. So I'm just looking at that. And I'm like, wow, just some weird things have happened in the – just how everything works out in football world, right? Montreal, yeah, uh, a lot of movement uh, over the last few years, and then yeah, and it's two teams that have only really met once a year. Then that's that's interesting to point out. Uh, it's our fan fest game, so backyard party on Terry Fox Plaza, games for the kids, uh, face painting, spray tattoos. Kids can meet their favorite uh, mascot characters: Chase, Sky, Marshall from Paw Patrol. My daughter's excited. For that, that's her favorite show. Pikachu, I saw. Pikachu, right? yeah. Star Wars, Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, Mickey Mouse. Uh, kids will get to run on the field post game. That's a very cool thing. So uh, head to bclions.com for tickets. Uh, the family zone sold out, I believe, but still plenty of tickets available. But get them 
well, they're still there. All right, uh, we'll talk a bit about some Lions expected lineup changes before we're done here, but we're going to bring in Joey Alfieri. He does a great job with our written and social media content for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, what is his thoughts on a Montreal key to victory? We'll talk about Jason Moss, I'm sure. A coaching change there in the offseason. Ownership change as well. These two teams kind of mirror each other. Uh, new and exciting owners. Pierre-Carl Palado uh, buying that team just before training camp. That's uh, been a good thing for that franchise. But we'll talk about it uh, all with Joey Alfieri coming up. All right, and off to Montreal we go. Joey Alfieri, uh, the Montreal Alouettes uh, content man extraordinaire, formerly of TSN Radio in Montreal. So he's kind of like Montreal's version of me, Nick. Uh, That's an what ex, you were saying, yeah. Yeah, an ex-TSN radio guy who's uh, turned to the dark side now doing content for the team. Uh, Joey, hello, bonjour. How are you, sir? I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm the, the Montreal version of you, but just not as good looking. That's all. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll go with that, sure. Um, <laughs> as long as other people are saying it, that's fine. But no, uh, you you're uh, you got the face for TV camera. I see you there doing all the sideline uh, reports, uh, post game interviews on the field. So you're you're good. You're in a good spot. Uh, this is your second or third year doing this, I think. Uh, how much fun have you had making that transition? Yeah, it's been really cool. Like uh, this is uh, season two for me. I, I joined the Owls in uh, Feb 2022. Uh, and it was listen. It was tough for me to leave radio. It definitely wasn't easy. Uh, radio was. I loved radio, uh, but um, grew up. Uh, you know, season tickets in the family to the Montreal Alouettes. You know, CF Montreal, Montreal Canadiens, always special to me. But the Alouettes were just on a different level. You know, we'd get to the games early as a family. Uh, we would stay late uh, to kind of yap with the players after the game was over. So. Uh, when that opportunity came about, it was just, it was too good to pass up. And the adjustment's been really smooth. It's been great. And uh, it's different to be on the uh, on the team side, but I kind of like it. I like uh, kind of pushing the media around, the local media, including <laughs> a shout out to uh, Herb Zerkowski from the Gazette, who I push around a lot at Bully. So uh, that's, uh, it's been fun. It's been a really cool experience. And all kidding aside, it's nice to have a, a different kind of working relationship with him. Yeah, if you can keep uh, Herb in line, that's obviously uh, <laughs> half the battle. Uh, love to hear that. Uh, Herb, an all-time legend in the CFL media circles, no Just doubt. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Just kidding, Herb. We love you. Um, this current Alouettes team, uh, of course, a bit of a turnaround last year. A two and one through three games. Very impressive win in Hamilton. A win in, uh, over Ottawa to start things off. And uh, then, of course... Uh, Ran into Winnipeg last week, a result we didn't like for a couple of reasons because we just get to hear again how last week against us was just a blip on the radar for Winnipeg, unfortunately. They had an off night. It had nothing to do with with the Lions, right? But anyway, <laughs> just jokes aside, uh, your overall assessment of this Alouettes team through three games. Yeah, they've been, to me, they've been really impressive. Um, you Especially, you know, you look at what they've been able to do all three phases of the game have contributed at different times early on in the season. Um, I know that coming in, you know, power rankings and expectations uh, nationally were uh, not very high for the Alouettes, but, um, you know, this is my second training camp working for the team, but I've covered the team for a long, long time, and I've seen my fair share of training camps. And there's just something about this team. There's something about this group where I was like, ah, I think the CFL is sleeping on this football team because, just there was a there was a, a competitiveness that 
Coach Moss and the coaching staff brought to training camp every day. Um, and I think the scouting department did an unbelievable job of finding talent uh, that was outside the CFL, which isn't easy to do, uh, and making training camp super competitive. So, you know, I, I trust my eyes, uh, but I didn't know how this would translate to the regular season. And then you know, there was a hard-fought victory against Ottawa where defensively they, you know, they dominated. They held them to 12 points, I think it was. Um, and then there was a big performance in Hamilton where special teams and defense came through again and the offense kind of kicked in and we saw some big plays. And, um, you know, against Winnipeg, it was a, a little more difficult. There was some strange conditions out there, but you've got to give the Bombers credit, you know, coming off that loss, like you mentioned to BC, they came in and they played a really, really good road game. Uh, even though Montreal came close, shot themselves in the foot a little bit uh, when it came to uh, some untimely turnovers. And, they ended up coming short, coming up just short. I know 17-3 seems a little more lopsided than the game was, uh, but Montreal had their opportunities. But you know, I know the chatter has been around uh, Montreal's, um, you know, the, the the sacks that they've given up and whatnot. But the bottom line is Montreal's offense has been really explosive this year. They lead the league in uh, plays of uh, or passing plays 30 yards or more, um, and, and the offense has looked fine. The offense has looked good enough and more than good enough. So. Um, I know that people nationally might be surprised that the Owls are two and one, but it, based on what I saw in training camp, long story short, it doesn't surprise me one bit. They looked really focused and really good. I wanted to ask about the offense, Joey, and specifically Cody Fajardo through three games. He's only thrown 72 passes, but like you just mentioned, they lead the entire league in these big plays. So is that something you kind of expected going into the season in terms of the offensive script, or do you think that's kind of just how the cards have fell so far? Yeah, I think the, the coaching staff have said from the very beginning that they wanted to be aggressive. And obviously, the receiving core looks different. So the three Americans that they ran with last year are Gino Lewis, who's in Edmonton, uh, Jake Winicky, who's in Sask, and Reggie White, who's coming off, who's still in Montreal, but coming off a, a serious knee injury, and he's not going to be available till later on in the season. So your three starting American receivers aren't back. So I wasn't sure what you were going to get uh, when it came to you know big playability, but Austin Mack has been great, and Kayon Julian Grant, the Canadian receiver, has just taken another step forward that I'll toot my own horn. I totally saw it coming. Uh, you can tell that progress from year to year to year in the CFL that, you know, it was undeniable. Um, he's, a, he's a kid, great athlete. Uh, can, he moves really, really well, really dangerous with the ball in his hands. And so those two guys have really uh, led the way. And then Cody Fajardo, I feel like he's really um, – the adjustment to Montreal has been seamless. I mean, it felt like every day in training camp, he was getting better and he looks more and more comfortable uh, with every practice that goes by. Um, so, but you don't know, like I, I felt like Cody was going to be fine, but based on, you know, they had some struggles last year in Sask and now he's fully healthy. And, you know, what you see on the field, I think has been, has been pretty convincing from his part. And I don't even think you've seen him uh, run for as many yards as you can. Like all these big plays, you know, like we talked about, the 30 plus yard plays have all been with his arm. And I think there's more plays to be made with his legs as well. And I think that the more they get comfortable uh, together as a unit, I think the more you'll see Cody be able to scramble and take off on design runs and whatnot. So uh, to me, Cody Fajardo has been very, very good. Uh, I think he still leads the league in the completion percentage. Um, I think they want to run the ball a little bit better with standback. And I think the, the holes are going to open up up front. Uh, but, you know, to, to answer your question, Cody Fajardo has been very, very good. And I think he'll only get better as they can all get on the same page uh, as the games in the seasons uh, kind of progress and come. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when you mentioned those new weapons, uh, you, you mentioned Austin Mack, and that's someone that caught my attention really from, I think it was the first drive against Ottawa in week one where he caught that long ball, and then yeah. last week, like, Cody's just throwing jump balls to him, and he's usually making the plays, too. Is he someone that, I imagine this is the case, but you're watching in training camp, and there's always these guys in, in their first years coming up to Canada where they're catching everything in sight, and you're looking at, who's this guy? And then yeah. you see Austin Mack. I'm, I'm assuming that was the case with him. He was he really stood out from day one? That was exactly the case with him. So, it's funny, like the first day of training camp, um, the depth chart at receiver was kind of jumbled, right? Like, so, you know, when you scout a player, you know that you're bringing somebody in, but you don't know how it's going to translate to the CFL game, how they're going to pick up the offense. I think Austin Mack joined the starting offense on day two of training camp. They training camp started on a Sunday. Uh, he joined the starting offense on the Monday and then just never relinquished that spot. Uh incredibly consistent uh learned the playbook playbook really really quickly um i you know just a really smart dude had an opportunity to do a, an in-depth interview for an article i wrote on him after week one uh, just a smart guy uh went to ohio state was a pre-med guy so like he's just he's really cerebral he's a smart football player uh he's a big body and he moves really well and just a great fit in the canadian football league and so you know he's another one you're seeing this in training camp and you're like, okay, like to me, I'm not a football genius by any stretch, but I'm looking at this and I'm like, this guy looks like he's a really good player, but let me see what happens when the bullets are flying for real. And then, you know, it was a 120 yard performance against Ottawa. It was uh, two touchdowns against Hamilton and uh, over a hundred yards uh, against Winnipeg uh, on a rainy night. So he's fit in really well, looks really comfortable out there. And it just, to me, for two guys that have never played together before, um, seeing Fajardo and Mac connect that quickly uh, has been super impressive as well. So um, Austin Mac, I know it's early in the season, but he looks like the real deal. I think he's going to continue to produce. And, you know, as important as, as Lewis was to this team, and as difficult as it is to replace those guys when they walk, um, you know, having an Austin Mac kind of jump into the CFL and, and kind of step up and be that guy uh, so early on in the year is a big reason why Montreal's 2-1. and one. Uh, Joey, uh, talking about uh, Jason Moss, uh, year one as Montreal's head coach, but uh, obviously a bit of a natural fit given his uh, connection to Danny Machocha, your general manager. Just your overall sense on Coach Moss, uh, you know, the command he has over the locker room and how the players have bought into him early so far. Yeah, so I didn't know Coach Moss at all before before he got the job here. I, I met him at the introductory press conference. So I didn't know him at all. So, you know, my, I thought, you know, what you saw on TV was was what you got. And it, it's really not the case. I, I don't, you know, I, I kind of understand why, you know, he has the reputation of being hot-headed, but just a good, like, cool dude, um, very structured, very organized, incredibly cerebral. Um, you know, you can tell he, he's a guy that's passionate uh, about the game, uh, commands respect, and I think he, he has the, the respect of the locker room almost immediately, but there's just a structure in place uh, that this team needed uh, in, uh, in the coaching room. And I, and I think that he's brought that. Um, I like the staff that he has working for him. You know, we, we've talked about Noel, well, we haven't talked about him, but Noel Thorpe, uh, the defensive coordinator has been around the CFL for a couple decades. And again, this is a defense that's number one in a lot of categories. And in the categories, they're not number one in it's BC. That's number one, but I thought they've done a really good job on defense. Um, and, and, you know, keeping Byron Archambault as well, who's a, a young up-and-coming special teams coordinator and, and the Isles have dominated on special teams too. Like, he, he's just, he's pushing all the right buttons. 
uh, for the most part. And for a team that ha- that's had as many changes as the Alouettes have had, you know, to have the early season success uh, that they've had on the field is a testament to, to what the head coach, you know, the leader uh, brings to the table. Um, so I've been really impressed. Um, he's been really, he's been really sharp, really good. Works well, clearly with the with the staff that he's brought, um, and you can tell there's a structure to practice, um, and they're organized. They try to get as many plays in as they possibly can, uh, offensively in particular, uh, with Coach Moss. But um, to me, it's been a really, really nice fit in this market. And Joey, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, but I, I wanted to ask about this because I was so fascinated with it when it came out. But um, but inside the nest was a, a mini documentary you guys produced yeah. in the preseason, and it it was really neat in that it showed it went right into Coach Moss's meetings, and you saw the, the all access kind of stuff that I know the the CFL teams now are starting to really come out with. But um, can you just talk about that documentary, how it was produced, and just some more details on it overall? Yeah, um, we uh, we hired a a really really good camera crew um, that's that's based out of Montreal. Uh, they they came over to training camp, but again, you know, like we ran everything through uh, through Danny and, and through Jason, um, and they were super open to it. Because if they're not open to it, you know, having GoPros in the in the meeting rooms and all that stuff, I mean, there's you don't get anything interesting. Uh, but the organization was super open to it. Um, and then we, you know, we, we had some parameters. We kind of drew up a game plan uh, with this production company and they, they did an unbelievable job. They knocked it out of the park. Uh, we really wanted to show uh, kind of what goes on behind the scenes uh, in, uh, you know, with the professional football team in training camp. And uh, I think that we were able uh, to accomplish that. But uh, a lot of the heavy lifting uh, was done um, by, uh, by the agency. Um, Agency 96, I think they're called. They're going to kill me if I got that wrong, uh, but I'll, I'll get it to you guys later. But they were, they're unbelievable. They do some, um, some high level work. Uh, they've worked on uh, hard knocks with HBO before. Uh, they do a bunch of formula one stuff when the grand prix comes to Montreal, like they've done a lot of high level stuff. And, and I think you saw it in their work uh, that they, uh, they absolutely crushed it. I think the players uh, liked having them around too. Uh, there's some interesting storylines to follow, but uh, but we were really, really happy with the finished product because there's a lot of work, a lot of subtitling because we got to do things in both languages here, which is great to reach uh, the same fan base, but two different uh, fractions of the fan base. Um, but uh, it was just, you know, one of the, another one of those things where, you know, you present this plan, you guys know how it is. You present the plan to management and the coaching staff, and it's like, you don't know if it's going to get shut down or not, but uh, they were super open to it. Um, and there was sometimes watching it back, uh, we watched it back with Danny and there were some times where I was cringing and I was like, Ooh, is that too much? And he was like, Nope, I think it's, you know, I think it's great. I think we need to leave it in there for the fans uh, to see. So, uh, I mean, we really, we didn't, we didn't cut it. Like we had a, we had a, a screening that we did internally and it was about 53 minutes. We watched the whole thing together and they gave us a thumbs up. So they never really, uh, they didn't censor anything in any way so everything that we and the production company wanted to put in there ended up being in there so the juiciest stuff um the cutting of the players and whatnot was uh it, it all came together really nicely and we're really happy to get the thumbs up but i appreciate you mentioning because a lot of work went into that and uh, and i hope that uh fans outside of montreal uh, enjoyed that as well we got a lot of messages uh congratulating us for uh, for even from non Owls fans that were like hey this was amazing and we appreciate the access so no it was really cool and i appreciate you asking that yeah uh, we hear you there uh, you know it's we we get it from neil mcavoy rick campbell uh you know without their blessing it's hard to do and uh 
it helps when you have a very supportive uh, head coach and general manager. Uh, listen, Joey, I know you have to run here quickly, but um, I guess 30 seconds or less, you're looking at this game Sunday. What is one area where the Alouettes uh, need to take advantage of here? Yeah, well, I think the big playability, and, and that's uh, obviously you can go cliche in the trenches. I think that's going to be a big battle as well, uh, but on both sides of the ball. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's, you know, BC's defense deserves a lot of credit for what they've been able to do early on in the season. Uh, and the Alouette's offense, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, they've been able to get some some big plays in some different ways. Um, and so, you know, the Owls have a road win under their belt. Uh, and so, you know, they've shown that they can go out there and win uh, in enemy territory. But, you know, the, the battle I'm looking at is, you know, Ryan Phillips' defense against the Jason Moss, Anthony Calvillo, Cody Fajardo offense. And, and is Montreal going to be able to rattle off uh, some big plays. I think they will be. I've seen them do it in every game this year. No matter how many points they put up on the board, they always have a handful uh, of big plays. But I guess it's a question of, you know, can you execute them at the right time? Um, are you able to run the ball effectively to set up some play action and whatnot to make it easier on yourself? But, you know, to me, the Montreal offense against the BC defense um, in particular is, is something that I'm looking at in, in that respect. And, and then, you know, obviously defensively, these two teams have been good. They're number one and two in, in passing yards allowed. BC's one, Montreal's two. So I think offense uh, is going to score. I think there's going to be some points in this game, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a lot of big plays on defense as well. So I'm looking at the Montreal aerial attack against the BC. I guess we'll call it the secondary, but it's kind of the whole defense. Uh, that the way that the Lions operate. So that's that's the matchup that I'm looking forward to to watching on uh, Sunday night. Excellent, sir. Uh, well said. Uh, we know your private jet is uh, waiting on the tarmac <laughs> to take off here, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up here this weekend, uh, Joey. Uh, this has been a pleasure, long overdue. Look forward to seeing you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Sounds good. Thanks, Joey. Excellent stuff with Joey Alfieri. Yes, uh, kind of their version of Matt Baker, but he was selling himself short there. He's a pretty handsome guy. Yeah, top five beard game probably. Face for radio like me, but that's... um, (laughs) Nice beard, yeah. I give him compliments all day. And uh, good for you uh, bringing up... uh, They're doing some great things on the content side. Like I said, uh, these two teams very much the same on and off the field with what they've got going on. Uh, Inside the nest, uh, brilliant... uh, job chronicling uh, the training camp process and said again every team should be doing this we have the access that's the great thing about the Canadian Football League is that uh, especially us here with Neil and Rick letting us inside and, and making us feel like welcome parts of the team yeah and I think even if you're tuning into this podcast because you're a BC Lions fan and you want to hear a BC Lions news I think if you enjoy CFL football and the characters in the CFL you should be checking out all nine teams content I, I definitely gave this a watch when it came out um, it's really cool to it's always cool to see the meeting rooms I always find that fascinating so uh, in inside the nest they were able to show coach Moss uh, uh, Danny Machocha mm-hmm. going over evaluating the, uh, the preseason and their roster. So just really cool stuff to see. And yeah, hope hope to see more of it in the future. And uh, we look forward to seeing Joey here at BC Place uh, in a couple of days. Uh, lineup, uh, expected lineup changes for your Lions. Again, this is a weird week. This is Thursday and we've only had one practice, but it looks like Lucky Whitehead will be back. Of course, he had to go back on the shelf with that lingering hamstring problem. So Lucky uh, will play. Uh, we'll see how the depth chart looks as far as what receivers will be where, but we know Lucky is back on. The news not as good uh, for Taquan Mizell. Uh, again, look to sort of re-aggravate his knee issue 
toward the end of that game in Toronto, and um, Coach Rick hasn't said it, but we don't expect him to be back. Um, so perhaps this we'll week. S- this week, yeah. yeah. Sorry, this for this game only. Um, but it, that's not official yet. Uh, Coach Rick wasn't going to go there, but hard to believe with only one more practice. If he's not out there on Friday, then um, I'd say that's not happening. Have to declare his status on Friday anyway, as far as the injury report goes. But we'll see what happens. Uh, if it's a matter of activating the newcomer, Sean Shivers, uh, signed a couple weeks ago. Of course, you have Keenan LaFrance and David Mackey who are capable of of getting some touches there. So I'd have to think it's something they would do by committee. So that's the running back situation and the return of Lucky Whitehead is really um, the main things to talk about from a lineup perspective. Oh, for sure. And I, when it comes to the running back position too, I, I imagine the coaching staff, they have to evaluate the blocking too, right? You don't, we, we hear about it's this so much. Thing, yeah, we yeah. hear about this so much, how running backs, it's it's great if they can run the ball forward and be flashy and all that, but they have to be able to act as an extra blocker on so many plays. And that's what mizell has been good at too. Exactly. Right? So. You could argue it won the job this year. Yeah. So see how Shivers picks it up. David Mackey's been here for years. He understands this playbook. Keenan LaFrance now has been here for a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, there, there's definitely options. And seeing Shivers today in practice, he's got some speed to him. He was coming yeah. off the edge today, and he he's a quick. He's guy. a scat back, yeah, five yeah. seven, uh, can move quickly. Little little thick too. He's got some he's got some muscle yeah. on him too. So yeah, like I'm excited if he does crack the roster. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do and do in a, in a full CFL field. Yep, yeah, and of course they made that move, bringing him in and letting Antonio Williams go. So that just shows you what they think of him. That they would be ready to potentially activate him. Um, with uh, Taekwon Mizell expected to miss some time. Again, we really won't know um, until the injury report comes out on Friday, but uh, perhaps a week off for Taekwon with a bye week ahead. So maybe that's more of a precautionary thing, get him right. Uh, he was out there today doing drills on his own, officially a non-participant, but uh, so it's good to see him out there still, just not actively participating. Now, week five in the CFL, uh, I think pretty much getting underway now almost, right? Edmonton in Saskatchewan. So by the time you're getting this, listening to this, that game likely over. But And, and what has um, happened, Matt? Sorry? And what has happened, Matt? What has happened? Well, by the time you're listening to this, the game's going to be over. So you're going to go Nostradamus? Um, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> he kind of flew right over my head. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, Saskatchewan pulls it off. Yeah, but with you. Edmonton going back to Taylor Cornelius, so... That's um, that's the guy they're trusting most right now. So, hey, who knows? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at BakesTakes84 if I'm wrong in my assessment. But um, the Elks, a bit of a work in progress. Winnipeg, home to Calgary on Friday night football. Of course, uh, the Bombers uh, back home for the first time since a 30-6 to drubbing by your BC Lions. So they say. Just a blip on the radar, though, apparently, depending on who you talk to. But... Calgary getting some reinforcements. I think they're going to get Reggie Begleton back. Uh, I saw Rice and John, uh, the SFU product, going to make uh, his debut expected to. So Calgary slowly but surely getting healthy. Of course, they're missing Malik Henry for the rest of the year. Likely Philpott as well uh, out for a majority of the season. So um, Calgary coming off the bye. You know how well coached the Stampeders, well prepared they are. Coming off a bye, maybe that's a bit of an encouraging sign, but uh, we shall see how that one goes. Um, Winnipeg, uh, always tough at home, uh, two weeks ago aside, but we'll see. 
I think the team coming off a of bye week I read today is undefeated too through three weeks of action too. But there's there's three teams coming off a of bye this week, so interesting to go on that note. And yeah, it should be an advantage for Calgary, but like you said, home field is definitely an advantage for Winnipeg. Another um, weapon Calgary's getting back in their receiving core is Mark and Michelle. And if, yeah, if that, that was if the that, other one. If that name rings a bell and you just can't put your finger on it, it's because he hasn't been in the CFL since 2018. He played uh played two years in Calgary, accumulated over 1,200 receiving yards, so he was definitely a threat for them in the passing game. And then he went on to play for the Philadelphia Eagles and I believe some other teams um, after these past five years here. But he's back in the CFL, so excited to tune in to see what he's got. I'm, I was gonna I was gonna talk about this with uh, with the Montreal BC matchup we got this weekend, but I always find that if you want to watch a football game just casually, you can just watch the quarterback and watch how he throws the ball. But if you want to watch a football game, you look at like what you just watch one player and watch their matchups. And so Michelle's gonna be one guy I'm definitely gonna be watching on the TV broadcast. And then this week we brought it up with Joey, but Gary Peters versus Austin Mack. If, yeah. If, if you're just a fan of a receiver versus a DB, that's Gary Peters number one, and Austin Mack is number 81 in Montreal. If you're just a fan of one-on-ones, tune into those two guys going at it because it's going to be a battle all night in those in that area. And then uh, week five Saturday contest again. Love this one game per night thing. Uh, Hamilton home to Ottawa. Ty Cats looking for their first win. Also coming off a bye. But how about this? Jeremiah Mazzoli is back for the Red Blacks first time since that horrific leg injury suffered about a year ago this time in Saskatchewan, and he's going back to face his old team here to boot. So great on Jeremiah Masoli for working his way back. Certainly a courageous effort on his behalf. Uh, But unfortunately, Tyree Adams for Ottawa out for the year, torn ACL. But um, So hopefully Ottawa's bad injury luck with the quarterbacks ends there because it's it's certainly been trying for them. Because again, Jeremiah was kind of signed there to sort of ignite their rebuild in the nation's capital. So uh, Hamilton at home, normally tough, uh, despite their 0-3 record. And who knows if there's a rust factor with Mr. Masoli. Uh, I think I'd lean tie cats in this one, but who knows? I'm going to go with the Red Blacks. I've always liked Masoli, and it, it's so good to see him back. Like you said, just a courageous effort to recover from that that pretty gruesome injury and yeah, Ottawa, I'm happy for the Red Blacks. <laughs> Hopefully they can put it together now, but it seems like they have been kind of riddled with bad luck when it comes to injuries lately, and Mazzoli is their franchise guy, so it's good It's good for the league too. We're seeing it now with Toronto and Chad Kelly that if you have a good quarterback, it's good for the, good for the market, good for the league. So I'm hoping good things for Mazzoli and he can stay healthy and keep playing at that level he was. And I, I, I do expect Ottawa to come on top in this one, actually. All right. Mazzoli factor. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they're certainly going to rally behind him, uh, you would think. So, yeah, the bottom half of that East Division, how do you break that down? We'll have some answers here in the next few weeks. Uh, Of course, uh, the BC Lions trying to hand Montreal another one in the loss column. Four o'clock, Moj, Julio, Paul McCallum, or be Karen Sermon on the sideline, seeing as it's a home game. But anyway, Moj and Julio have your pregame at AM 730 at three o'clock. BCLions.com, uh, you find tickets, Fam Fest again, plenty of cool, fun, and games with the kids. That's going down Sunday. Uh, the weather should be outstanding, so knock on wood that the roof is open. It's a day like this as we're recording. And hopefully, um, well, it's a bye week for us next week, so we'll, we'll figure out what we're doing. Perhaps do something on Monday uh, to recap it. Uh, I'm heading off to the Okanagan on Tuesday, but first things first, Lions and Alouettes, enjoy it. Until next time. First and now, uh, the official BC Lions podcast 
I'm on Twitter at BakesTakes84. He is on Twitter at Nick underscore Kowalski. And I'm on threads now. I'm on threads, yeah. Same handle for me, BakesTakes84. I got a period instead of an underscore, but it's my name. It's the same as your Instagram. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a, it looks promising. It looks promising. I do. Yeah, I'm. I'm giving it a chance here. I, my only thread I sent was that note on the Lions and net offense. So, I'm trying to be useful on there. I was, All right. I, I was putting on my supper yesterday. I was. I was putting on everything. There you go. Yeah. Keep <laughs> doing it. For the threads, it doesn't quite sound like for the gram, but we'll go with it. All right. Until next week, folks. Be safe. <laughs>